Well, happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Wednesday Night Live, coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. My name is Ron Crawford. For those of you who don't recognize my voice, I am blessed to be the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and we are so happy to be enjoying the privilege of partnering with our Lord in these amazing days and to have the privilege of doing so with our Saints Network family both in this great nation of ours, the United States, but also in many countries around the world. So greetings to all of our dear brothers and sisters um, wherever you may be today and we speak blessing over you as we're still in the very opening moments of this new year. I'm so blessed by the way that our Heavenly Father has spoken about what this year will uh, entail and I'm blessed to have the privilege of partnering together with you. Um, of course our, our prayer in the spirit, our time spent before the throne of God is the essential lifeblood that connects us all in the family of God. But to be able to actually go forth with so many of you um, in the days to come um, and to have pockets of prayer that are welcoming those mission journeys and supplying them in agreement before the throne of God, that parrots and parrots standing in the gap or breaking through formula that God ordained is something that we should all cherish. And you have to have you have to have both of those. You have to have people on the home front and you have to have people that are willing to, to go forth at the direction of the Father. And you have to have people who embrace either of those roles, um, who don't look at one being superior to the other, but to cherish and function within the place God puts you. And I, I was thinking about the... Uh, the days that are ahead and reflecting upon the things which we have shared in the past couple of decades in, in going uh, to many places around the world. Um, I remember in those early days we would take larger teams that were basically um, constructed with intercessors. People who would press in and seek God and um, I called them fuelers because they really did welcome the presence of the Lord, the fire of God and that would ignite in other people, people that were there in the meetings that God had drawn. And then as people began to grow in the Lord and learn and you want to make disciples out of them so that they can not only understand the message that God is revealing in his word, but to be able to teach it 
you know, the Bible says we should be apt to teach. So we tried to do that with, uh, with uh, our full energies. The problem with that is that our teams then became teams filled with speakers. People who pray, don't get me wrong, but we were top-heavy with those that were skilled at speaking, which is a great testament to uh, what God wants of us. People were growing and developing. And again, not to say that people weren't praying, but I could notice the difference, having been in the full spectrum from the beginning till now, that without a, a devoted and absolutely solely committed group of intercessors, um, our message was, <clears throat> was true to the word. We were obedient to what God was revealing, but we didn't seem to have the ignitability of the intercessors within the crowd. And that's imperative. So we've not done anything wrong. I'm not faulting anything. It's just the natural course of development. But I look now and I say, in this year of breakthrough, this year of, uh, of so many wonderful opportunities and possibilities that the Spirit has already opened and will open many more, we have to recognize that whenever we go out, especially in the new terrain, we have to do our very best to populate whatever team goes with people whose mission is solely to pray and to impart that passion of prayer to others. I, I, I can give many examples of this. And again, this is not faulting anybody. Please don't take offense at this. This is a strategic analysis. If you have problems with it, go before the Lord because he's the one that is pointing this out. We're right where we're supposed to be. But I remember on our first journey into Brazil, and God has opened that door, there were just uh, two of us and, and an interpreter who is a son in the faith. And we were preaching. We were declaring. We laid hands on some folks and, and uh, ministered. But... I remember being at one of the last meetings we had. There were probably 400 people in the meeting. And when we went out into the crowd to minister, it was like hammering the hardest piece of rock that you could ever imagine. We are barely making a dent. And I thought, what? what's missing here? And I remember those early days... 20 years before when we would go into a new country and we had intercessors all over the place and the ground was softened. The, the, the people of, in, the, in the group were, um, uh, that were, were called to hear the message were already saturated with the presence of the Lord because it was near. Now I remember other places where no, nothing mattered. Uh, I remember being in Switzerland once, and this is a kind of a funny, this is a kind of a funny illustration, but we had a pretty big team of intercessors. People were praying, we were ministering the word, and there was an eclectic group of people that had come from many different uh, walks of faith into this 
um, Salvation Army Auditorium. And we appreciate the opportunity to be there. But I remember our intercessors were all on their face before God at the end of a message, and the Spirit of the Lord was moving powerfully. And I remember it must have been after 20 minutes, I thought, well, you know what, I'm the leader. I need to get up and see what needs to be happening now. And probably 95% of the attendees at the meeting were all still sitting in their chairs with their eyes wide open. You, you encounter that a lot in Switzerland. Wonderful people, but there's a different mentality there. And I, I guess I can say that as a white guy, speaking of Switzerland, which is largely white people, I can say that without being racially insensitive. But there is a difference when you go to different places, different histemis around the world. And the Swiss are very contemplative. They are, they are very um, um, skilled and wise. But the enemy then pushes that to an extreme of of um, maybe a, a reticence to step in. I'm not faulting anybody. So we had this great team of intercessors and many teachers, and um, but it didn't seem to have much of an impact at that point. And, you know, some places are more difficult than others. God calls you to them anyway. And uh, the scripture is replete with examples, especially in the New Testament, of those that Jesus went into a place, he said he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. What's that about? That's the Lord. Uh, the disciples go and Jesus says, hey, if you go into a place and they're not willing to accept uh, what I'm sending, you shake the dust off your feet as a witness against them. Or if you go into a place and you're staying in a location where people aren't willing to partner with the, the, the assignment that I've given you, well, you you bless them, but then you move on. So we forget that the parable of the sower is uh, four different four different uh, responses. The first two are not good at all. The third is good, and then it gets corrupted, and only the fourth, you know linearly 25% actually bear fruit and it's a lasting fruit. Now I can't I don't know that you can actually say that it's a, a straight 25% in each category. I mean you can you can say that and people can't debate you. But I know very well that it's always a remnant. It's always a seed that is willing to accept. Um, and um, so that percentage that actually receives and carries it through and bears fruit is probably much lower than 25%, but I don't want the Washington Post fact-checking my percentages because they'll just rip this up anyway. So I do believe that as we go forward in this new year, we have to do everything we can to, first of all, make sure that we have a heady and um, energetic group of intercessors that go on every team who are, their one mission is to pray and to impart because we will not succeed without that. Secondly, 
I would fully expect that by at least the midway point of the year going into the latter half of the year, we're going to have to be sending teams out, multiple teams out, uh, where you have maybe one or two speakers, but you've got a, a group of intercessors. The intercessors should not be considered as the minor leagues, and hopefully you'll get up to the big leagues with your turn at bat. Uh, there are some people that are just called to intercede. I'm thankful we should all be intercessors. But there are those who just are called to intercede. And they need to embrace that role and not be pushed by people who are trying to egg on their ambition. Ambition can be the death of your calling. Because you are functioning and then you see other people doing things and the enemy will come alongside you or other people, maybe a spouse, maybe somebody in your household. Maybe it's just the um, unrepentant part of your mind that says, why am I not doing that? This person was praying beside me. Now look at them. They're up there getting accolades. The greatest calling of all is intercession. And some are especially gifted in that capacity. Embrace that role. When you look at the story of, of Jesus when he was a baby and he came into the temple, there were a lot of people with notable assignments there in that temple. But the only two that the Bible speaks about who had the opportunity to receive Jesus and to proclaim anything over him were Anna and Simeon. You don't read anything about either of them anywhere else. They were older people who served in measures of hiddenness, lack of notoriety. But those are the ones that God allowed to minister to the babe when he came in by virtue of Mary and Joseph bringing him in. So, God's been speaking to us a lot in his word over these past many months. And there's a, there's a continuity to what he's sharing. It really is a line-upon-line line exchange. And he's been talking to us about where we are in his overall timetable, the revelation of his mysteries. And he's been talking about uh, how intercession plays a vital role in that development, serving the Father in the unveiling of his mysteries, and also the vital role of the Spirit within us that is born again only through Christ and how it plays a significant role in the mysteries of God. So just as a reminder, okay, the Old Testament provided a framework. Prophets spoke, the Word of God was laid out in the Old Covenant. It became a foundation um, prophets would declare things that were coming. But when Jesus came, 
he brought grace and truth. The scripture says that. Grace and truth. And he, he was able to partner with the grace of God as an intercessor to see new things that God has ordained to happen to happen. And those points of grace would lead to truth, which is the revealing of things that had been hidden that no longer are. Um, and the Bible says that something about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Find that in Luke's writing. Now, what does that mean? Jesus would begin something, and that, and that the onus of that is not, okay, I got it started, the rest of you take over, even though that is true. But Jesus would begin a new work. He would walk it through, live it, and then he would teach it. Begin, do, and teach. That's really the framework of grace and truth. And on a larger scale, which benefits us, we should do those same works. But we have been given a born-again spirit as we accept Christ Jesus as Savior. We have been given the empowerment of speaking in tongues, which was given to the church, to the ecclesia, on the day of Pentecost. And we have been given the privilege of praying in that to God. The Bible speaks that when we speak in unknown tongues, we speak musterion. And the combination of that musterion with apocalypto or apocalyptus, which is the overall releases of God's plan for a season or for the, the entirety of, of the time of uh, mankind on earth. And we've talked about how vital it is for us to pray in the Spirit. There are many benefits of that that the Scripture speaks of. We've gone over that in the past. But for our purposes today, when you pray in the Spirit, you pray mysteries. Scripture clearly says that. And when we pray in diversities of tongues, that's a grace gift, and we are utilized by the Spirit to minister to the Father in measures of grace that are above and beyond. We really are, you know, I think that unknown tongues talk about what we're supposed to be doing as individuals. Grace gift of diversity of tongues speaks about what we should do outside. Well, how God, we can serve God outside or from that. Maybe it's a parets and parats. But there's another factor of it. And that is and I believe that uh, unknown tongues, when we speak in musterion through them, again, the scripture says that's what happens, uh, we are addressing specific things that are what God is wanting to open and unveil for this particular time frame. Because the uh, apocalypto, the apocalypsis, is something that is encased 
something that is a treasure um, and you peel away the layers to reveal it. Mysterion peels away those layers to reveal the Apocalypto, which those two words are used regularly together and Paul speaks about this. But today I want us to look at some further definings of Mysterion. And to do that, I want to encourage you to have your Bible program ready because we're going to look at some things that's going to be instructive for you, but it's also going to hopefully sharpen the iron of your ability to study. And we're going to look at something that is, um, is very, very important. <laughs> um, let's first of all look at something that Jesus did and said in Luke chapter 10. Now in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 70. Remember from our studies of Ayin, A-Y-I-N, which is the eyes in the Old Testament, we discovered that that letter in the Hebrew alphabet was also used as a, a character representing the number 70. So if you had a group of, of 70, um, they would be identified as having passed the eye test or in alignment with a, a perfection of some sort of what God wants and what he has desired to do, seven times ten. Just, I'm reminding you of that. Don't, don't get bewildered because of what I just said, if you've not heard that teaching. Um, but he had just sent the 70 out, and he gives them power to teach in the places where he will go, he says. And they go out two by two. He gives them power to heal, to teach, uh, to cast out devils and so forth and they come back and they uh, return with joy they say at the top of their list even the devils are subject unto us through your name so Jesus says in Luke 10 verse 18 I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven and then he says you, you rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In other words, every one of you has a divine identity. This is before the cross. Every one of you has a divine identity, and God wants to fulfill that in the service of the kingdom. And then, verse 21, right then, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit, his spirit jumped. Spirit was spinning in adulation to the Father. And why? Well, this is in the context of the 70 going out, preaching, teaching, casting out devils, fulfilling what their identity is from the foundation of the world. And he says, Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, you have hid apocrypto these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes 
Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father. No man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and, to, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. And then Jesus goes on to say, He turned unto the disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see these things which you see, and have not seen them, to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them. This is very interesting. Why did Jesus' spirit leap in rejoicing? Because he came, and through the power of the cross and his sacrifice, that spirit within men and women if they accept Jesus, can be born again. And then that same spirit can hopefully fulfill the identity that God has put within each of us for our own existence. We've taught a lot about the spirit within over the past year. Uh, when we die, we give that spirit back to God. And then whoever we've become as individuals um, as a result of partnering with God will be judged, yes, and will be rewarded. So, but that spirit is within us and it, according to what the scripture says, is what prays when we pray in the spirit, with the spirit. The mind is unfruitful, my spirit prays. Not the, the Holy Ghost coming down from heaven and I felt it. If I've known anything, I felt it. And I, ooh, it just came out of me. You're waiting for that. You may be waiting a while. But the spirit within, the born again spirit within, prays. And you've got to discipline your mind to interpret and accept that because the natural mind will be at enmity with that, at war with it. So, but Jesus' spirit rejoiced. Why? Because God the Father, who is developing heaven and earth, has apocrypto these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes. Now, crypto is one of our favorite words because it is that hidden treasure. It's gained notoriety in our world today. When we first started teaching about it, there wasn't any cryptocurrency. And crypto means something that is in the very center that is hidden. And we all have this. The Apostle Paul spoke about when an unlearned or an unbeliever comes into your facility and you're worshiping God, you should prophesy into the crypto within them. They will either say, the Spirit of the Lord is with you, I want to join you, I'll be on my face with you in adoration of the Lord, or they'll reject. It's up to them. But the, when you pray, you enter into your prayer closet and the Father who sees in crypto will commune with you and you will 
begin to deal with kingdom business there. Don't be as the Pharisees who in long robes pray in public to be seen. And there are many other factors. This is an old topic, but it's the crypto. So Jesus is talking about, in a larger sense, that the crypto is most, I think most probably he's saying that from the spirit we address and deal with the crypto issues, but on a larger scale, what the Father has in store for all of the kingdom is also a crypto, okay? Stick with me now. This is going to become hopefully clearer if you keep your spiritual thinking caps on. Um, he also berates cities that reject his message. He does that in Luke 10. He also does that in Matthew 11:25 in a peripheral passage. In Matthew 25:18, he basically gives a, a judgment in the parable of, of the of the talents because one man hid apocrypto the the treasure and didn't do anything with it. But what I want us to see is, as I said earlier, a teaser for you, how the Mysterion deals with the crypto. So let's, if you got your Bible program up, you hit on the uh, Luke 10, verse 21, that thou hast hid, hit on that, and then search, and you will find these verses pull up where apocrypto is used. So, one of them is 1 Corinthians 2.7. We speak the wisdom of God in a mysterion. Even the apocrypto, which God ordained before the world unto our privilege of partnering with his glory. None of the princes of this world knew this, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And Paul goes on there. He talks about the role of the Spirit of God, the Spirit within. But the essence here is that the wisdom of God is being revealed in the function of Mysterion. And this is hidden, apocrypto. Now, the translator added in italics there, wisdom. But it just basically says the wisdom of God in Mysterion, even the apocrypto, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Everybody say our. Our. Um, this is our privilege to partner with what God is doing that's not been done before. And we partner with him and the glory is upon us in that partnership. So, 
the Mysterion deals with the wisdom of God that God has hidden from the foundation of the world. And at the time, he envisioned, as only God can, you and me partnering with him to reveal this wisdom that's been hidden um, and to partner in the glory. We've studied about wisdom in the Old Testament. How that, first of all, wisdom is one of the seven spirits of God, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. We studied about how wisdom in the Old Testament is to desire to do what God wants above all other things and to fear failing to fulfill that. Not in any kind of, oh, I better do it or God's going to fry me, but to not fail him. And also, wisdom takes the light into the darkness. Wisdom goes forth and dries, drives out the darkness, but it has to be mandated by God in his timing and in his placement. So wisdom is really uh, going forth at the directive of the Father to establish the kingdom, the light of the kingdom, where darkness has been. Unwrapping that timetable and the facets of what God wants to do, how God wants to do it in that process, here in this scripture says that that apocrypto of wisdom is unveiled through the process of musterion or what we do daily through the gift given at Pentecost of praying in tongues through the Spirit. All right, let's look at another one. Ephesians 3, 9. All right, let's look at this one. 3, 8. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Which means that it's, there's just so much, as much as you search, you can't find it all. And to make all men see what is the fellowship, that koinonia, that coming together, both in people that are joining to pray the same thing, but also the intricacies of the ways of God being manifest together beautifully. The fellowship of the, what? Mysterion. Some people get all flustered. Is it mysterion or mysterion? Well, just lighten up. Just, just lighten up. Because in the Greek, the Y and the U are the same. So you could say mysterion and you could say mysterion. In English, we say mystery. In the Latin languages, it's, it's mystery. But it could just easily be mysterion. So don't, don't get in a flutter over this. Uh, which from the beginning of the world, this mysterion has been hidden in God, Apocrypto, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heaven, 
might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. That's interesting, isn't it? Here you have it. God saying again that we are partnering with this wisdom that has been apocrypto. It, it contains the riches of Christ. And it's a Musterion operation. So once again, Musterion connected with wisdom that has been apocrypto from when the world began, or the beginning of the world. And at that time, or shortly thereafter, it was when the enemy rebelled, because he didn't like this intended divine process of creating somebody like you and me, and to allow us to be made in his image and to be heirs and joint heirs with him. When the enemy heard that, at the beginning, he, Jesus said, became a murderer, a man-killer. The iniquity found in him was the unwillingness to submit his divinely created purpose to this overall purpose of God. And so... If the enemy had really recognized what God was doing in this process, another scripture says he would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but the principalities and powers in heavenly places will see the ecclesia of God um, doing these demonstrations of wisdom. And you remember when Jesus spoke about the Apocalypto to Peter. Who do men say that I am? We talked about this on Sunday. Um, Jesus got a response. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not Apocalypto to you. It didn't come out of flesh and blood, this hidden, great mystery of God. But the Father Apocalypto it to you. And upon this rock, what rock? The privilege of Christ. They're, they're inseparable. We are to be Christ-like. We are to be as anointed sons. And we are to be partnering in this process of apocalypto. Upon that rock, the ecclesia will be built, and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail. And you have the keys to bind and to loose. And it's an empowerment. But if the, if the enemy had known that, he wouldn't have crucified the Lord. And uh, before these principalities and powers, the ecclesia is demonstrating the multifaceted revelation of the wisdom of God, which again is due to God's plan, but the fellowship of the Musterion. Do you see that? Having the key, understanding, unlocks the riches of the word. Had enough yet? Well, let's try one more. And in your handy-dandy Bible program, the last instance of apocrypto here. Don't confuse that with apocalypto. It's two different words, even though they both start with an APO. This is regularly connected with the Mysterion. In Colossians 1, 
Uh, let's start at verse 25. I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you. In other words, what God has ordained me to be, not my, my ambition has uh, striven to find. And uh, what I want to do is to fulfill the word of God, the logos of God. And then verse 26, even the musterion, which has been hid, apocrypto, there's the combinative again, from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to and through his saints, to whom God would make known what is the mystery of the riches of the glory uh, to make known what is the riches of the glory of this musterion among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God sowing that seed of faith in intimate points of commune with you, hope of this partnership with the glory, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, Now, so many in the church, in the general church, say that when God sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, that was a, a necessary thing at the birth of the church, but then it went away. So it's no longer there. They really go to great gymnastics apologetic measures to try to prove that. They don't do a very good job of it. The second thing they say is that because of what Christ did, that is at the cross and the ascension and the home in heaven, that's the mystery. So it's a done deal. They say, fait accompli. And there's nothing more to do. So get as many people to accept that and you're doing what you're supposed to do on earth. Well, I agree with most of that. But what is Paul talking about here when he says this mystery that's been hid is now being made manifest to and through his saints? How in the world can the Mysterion, decades after the cross, be still being manifest. In other of Paul's writings, he says that all creation, part of this mystery, is awaiting the manifestation of the sons of God. How can that be if everything was already done? And I was thinking about this the other day. I cherish what Christ did. Because without his sacrifice, we would be lost in sin. We would not know our Father. I thank Jesus for that. That is the essential. There is nothing else will ever compare with that great gift. But to me, this is a bad illustration. You know what's coming next. You should expect that from me by now. It would be like if 
if you had a couple of acres of beachfront property in Hawaii, beautiful beach, beautiful beach, and you sell it for five million, well, you've been blessed. Wow, you can do a lot with that as long as you don't blow it. Um, you should be you should be delighted. But did you undersell? Was it not really worth fifty or a hundred million? Probably. So you've got a wonderful gift, but that wasn't all that gift was worth. You undersold. You're still blessed, but you're underselling yourself. Don't you hate that? You make some kind of a deal and you think, oh man, look what it's worth now. Um, but a lot of the church does that. The unspeakable gift, the wonderful gift of Christ, that is the high point of anything that's ever happened in human history. Because without that, we have nothing else in God. But Jesus came so that we might be Christ-like. Jesus came so that we might do greater works. Jesus came, and through that empowerment, we then are supposed to be applying these principles to see these mysteries continue to be revealed in the timetable of God. They will always align themselves with the Word of God. Nothing we're talking about is some other gospel. Nothing we're talking about is some other crazy thing that is equal to the Word of God. We're, that is not what we're saying. Every, the, the living Word continues to speak new things that do not contradict what, what we've learned in the Word. In fact, it it exemplifies the Word. It, it builds upon the Word. Yes, the Word is a foundation, but who wants to live just on a foundation? You build up the temple of the Lord like the old kid's song is. And um, you, you need to see that this fellowship of the mystery is ongoing. And for this present world, it culminates in the writings of the last book of the New Testament, the Apocalypsis of John, where God speaks through John on the Isle of the Patmos, Isle of Patmos, the Isle of the Patmos, the Isle of Patmos, about how the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God, and it all goes down to the final defeat of the enemy, it's, it's amazing. But that's characterized as the fulfillment of this apocalypsis. Now, here's a news flash. That's not the end of this process. In eternity, we will continue to discover unsearchable measures of what our creative Father is wanting to do. We will apply these principles. We will apply this measure of commune with God and obeying and discovering what He wants to do. Just like the angelic 
desires to stoop and to look into the, um, the mystery, the apocalypto as it is being opened, to, to peer in and to see. We will share. We should share that now. What is God doing? How can we align ourselves? Now, by that, I don't mean to be running around to see whatever river hopping group is doing. I mean, you know, it, to me, it's like find your identity and be that. Yes, you can be aware of what other people are doing, but you do what God has called you to do. And when you find that, you keep it. And some people, when we go out and minister, God does amazing things. They just stack it up on the wall as a trophy and they look for the next thing coming down the pipe, never really uh, embracing their identity that God has ordained from the foundation of the world where their name is written. Uh, you know, I would say this, when you find the pearl of great price, you sell every other thing. And you buy that field and you're faithful in that field. Um, I've seen people in my years on earth both as a pastor and before, who are incredibly blessed in their natural life, but that's not enough for them. And they abandon that to go out and search for other, for greener pastures. Some people just can't tame their, um, their adrenaline to seek and to conquer. We need to learn how to sow that into the spirit realm. Because if you have that gift and you just keep searching for other things, you'll find none. And so I say, when you're born again, you start drawing near to the Father and you, through the process of doing, beginning, doing, and learning, you discover what he's made you to be. And you can go to this conference and that conference and have a book full of people prophesying over you. At some point, you just got to do and be. And this is very important for us because um, our name is written in heaven. We were created with a specific calling from God for this hour. And you can either find it and begin to do it and let God promote you in whatever way he chooses. Or you can just keep bouncing from stream to stream, whatever the greatest and latest, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes you, some of you don't ever watch movies. I bless you. You're such a holy, sainted person. But sometimes you can see movies and you see some old timer who's just spent their life just living the good life and never settling down. What does it leave them? A pocket full of dusty memories and nothing to show for their life. You, you need to get busy discovering what God's made you to be and just do it. Just be it. I've seen people who God gave this calling. Even set aside the calling of the saints, which I think is the greatest calling in the world. So Paul said he was the least of all saints and 
The saints have been entrusted with this mission. Did you read that when we were reading? God blesses them and they, they're functioning in it. Well, they just can't help themselves. The next thing coming down the pike, well, we'll just sit this saint stuff over here. We'll find this too. And they've skipped from one lover to the next. You find the right one. Marry it. Be faithful because that is what God has created you to be. Serve him in the secret crypto place of your prayer closet. The Father sees you there. He rewards you openly. Your motive is not to be rewarded openly. Your motive is in the treasure of where the Father is. Praying in the Spirit partnering in that way because no matter what you do the the greatest place we can find is at the right hand of the throne of God where Jesus has established our right to be there as sons and to intercede in this great gift of tongues and diversities of tongues because that unlocks the hidden wisdom that unlocks the layers of what God intends to do in these days. As saints, we want what God's will is from the foundation of the world. What has been hidden, what has been corrupted, what has been twisted. We want to see that restored to the fullness of what God intends. So you have really the, the, the best of both identities. You have the privilege of partnering with God as an intercessor according to what our identity is from the foundation of the world in his wisdom. And you have the saints whose name is also a name of God and a name that the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. How can you go wrong with the combination of both of those? Man, that's a, that's a team. That's a dynasty. But few choose the calling of the saints. It's once delivered. You can accept it or reject it. In these days where this apocalypto, the Bible we studied this Sunday, is being revealed, this one we're in for the end time, there's a great falling away first. Judgment begins in the house of God. Will you follow what God has ordained for you to do, or are you going to search after some other thing? Many have done that. Many are doing that even now. We bless them, but we have to do everything we can possibly do to make sure that we don't fall, that we as the very, very elect aren't deceived, that we... Um, Watch out over our own souls. It's a treasure from God. So, look back over those scriptures and know that you're living them right now. You've been living them. And embrace them. Yeah, I know you've got a lot of responsibilities in the world. As I get older, it seems that I have more responsibilities. But I have to prioritize this calling, this eternal calling from God. And guess what? 
when you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, he adds all these other things to you. He just does. That's his promise. You can make sure that your responsibilities on earth are fulfilled. Now there will be a long chorus of people, perhaps even in your family, who want to tell you what your responsibilities are. They'll lay guilt trips on you. They will, um, they, they, they'll want to play and ask you to dance. They'll want to mourn and ask you to weep, just like Jesus said. You've got to learn how to stand, be a person of integrity, fulfilling the identity that God has given you because he's the one you're going to answer to. You can't say when you stand before God, you can't even say it now, oh, I would have served you, but you know what? I've got this mother or this mother-in-law or, you know, I've got these kids over here and you don't know my own children. They're abandoning them. I've got to take responsibility. Oh, they're all looking to me. What kind of mother or grandmother will I be? You think that's going to fly in eternity when there is no marriage or giving in marriage? The only thing we will be able to say is I've done well to the best of my ability. I've been faithful to your good purpose. I have obeyed you. And if it ever comes to the standpoint of well, I'm up here in God, but the rest of this family of mine is down here. I guess I better surrender where I am in God so that they feel happy about themselves. That's a bad trade. That In the history of bad trades, that's a terrible trade. Serve the Lord. See it in the Word. There's a falling away that God said is happening. Very elite being deceived by angels of light that are not of God. Seducing spirits God will allow to be functioning in the earth, giving to people what they think. And even if it's a Christian who's counseling you, you know, with all respect to them, without being pretentious or prideful, what is that to thee? as Jesus so eloquently said to Peter about John. Don't ever let somebody else dictate your eternal fate in God. Oh, this woman that you gave me, she's the one that made me eat. How'd that turn out for Adam? How'd that turn out? Because somebody else is flailing away. Does that mean you should also die? I hope not. So, yeah, we have a lot of responsibility today. And, and that's not even counting the natural mind that's at enmity with the things of the Spirit. You know, I've heard of so many people over the year that have good, solid people who somehow have, the enemy has pointed out some offense and they have taken that and let it ferment and they have become drunken on bitterness and woundedness and they're gone. I heard about another one yesterday. Terrible. We don't have to let that happen, do we? At the table of the Lord there is a sop bowl for bitterness. Use it. 
And then the enemy who detests and despises you to try to stop you from moving forward. The Apostle Paul said, you know, I'm in this measure of grace. I've got an abundance of visions and apocalypto. I'm getting them from the Lord. And so that I'm not inflated above measure. There's given me an angel. Uh, she's given me a, a messenger of Satan. A thorn in the flesh to buffet me. And I asked the Father three times, remove this from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient. The ultimate goal of grace is going to win out. But you got to recognize that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord will deliver you out of them all. Um, I'm not pro pro proclaiming these over you. I'm just quoting scripture. Um, and you got to recognize if you're going to cherry pick verses that promise you sweet delicacies, if you take away the scriptures that speak, hey, look, here's where you are. How are you going to justify that before the Lord? So take account of the marvelous things God has given us. See where you are in this time frame. See who God is in you and who you are called to be in him. Do that and be that. Pray in the spirit. Fulfill your calling as saints. Submit yourself before God. Don't let anything corrupt or deter or get in the way of you fulfilling your calling that God has given you. Amen? All right. Well, thank you for studying the Word together today. I pray that you are blessed and we look forward to a wonderful year as we continue in what God is revealing and releasing in our time. This is our moment. God has ordained it to be so. To glorify Him. Let's act like it. Shall we? Till next time, God bless and goodbye.